So let's begin in prayer. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. So Pope Francis has dedicated Our Lady as the star of the new evangelization. So let's turn our prayers to her this evening and say together, Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners now and at the hour of our death. Amen. St. John Paul II. Pray for us. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Well, it's a great pleasure to see a good number of you here tonight. Um, I'm going to be, in a sense for many of you, this will be your first introduction to me on one level. Uh, certainly, I don't know a great many of you still, uh, so I'm very aware I'm kind of feeling my way on lots of things in my life in the parish now. But I think it is important that in feeling my way and starting out, I'm starting, in a sense, as the mind of the church would have me start, um, with the vision that Pope Francis, following um, Pope Benedict and Pope John Paul II before him, what they have been focusing on for some decades, namely the new evangelization. And to give a talk, a series of talks, this has been the first, um, indicating what the new evangelization needs to be doing in our parishes. So those of you who have been involved with what are called the new ecclesial movements in the church, um, so in my life I've been privileged to be a part of two of those, Youth 2000 and the Faith Movement in particular in this country, that in these movements this vision of the new evangelization has been their defining identity for decades now, but it hasn't really penetrated parish life. And so what Pope Francis has very directly asked is that parish life be transformed in the light of this vision, this issue of what's called the new evangelization. So, um, just a couple of years ago, Pope Francis issued his encyclical uh, Evangelii Gaudium, meaning the joy of the gospel. Um, so I'm going to be drawing a lot on that document in these talks. I'm also going to be drawing on a book um, called Forming Intentional Disciples by Sherry Waddell that our own bishop has been particularly commending to us. And these four talks I'm giving are a preparation for what we'll then have in the parish, which will be hopefully a number of groups in the parish that will meet to read each week um, this book and discuss it. Um, so my first talk tonight is, in a sense, the most simple question, what is the new evangelization? Uh, so our first evening, we'll look at what makes the new evangelization different, i.e. new. Pope John Paul II said it needs to be new in its ardor, new in its methods, and new in its expression. And I want to try and say a little about what that means. So Pope Francis says it must change everything. So here you have a picture of a worried man. Um, <laughs> The new evangelization must transform everything in the church, our customs, our ways of doing things, times and schedules, language and structures. So I, I overheard um, a parishioner um, who obviously couldn't 
didn't think that I could hear where I was in the porch what was being said about this new priest. Um, <laughs> but the person was commenting on the question of change and was saying, well, does change, all this talk of change, does that mean we were wrong before? Um, and yes and no. Uh, the church is always reforming itself. So the Vatican Council, Vatican II, had this phrase, always reforming. This is what the church is. It's never just a static thing. Because the culture around us is always changing, and we therefore have to also change. Not that we change our identity, our mission, but our context changes. And if we don't change, then actually we're failing to be true to what we should be as the church. We're not going to be able to do our mission. So we need to change everything. And yes, that is worrying. So this worried man's look on the face. Um, if we think we're comfortable with the thought of change, then we quite likely haven't fully thought um, that the change might involve me and the things I'm comfortable with. So I want to start with a simple practical example and start with an example that, in a sense, isn't challenging and that it's not an example here, but an example from my previous parish. And an example focusing on what does the outsider experience if they come into the church? So Pope Francis in particular has this vision he talks about where you know, the, the, the casual inquirer sees a church, has a vague thought about something about a church, and goes in. Well, what do they encounter? Well, in my previous parish, so I've said here, how welcoming does our church look to strangers? So what used to be the case is they would come into the church porch and there was a locked grill that kept the church nice and safe. Um, but obviously, if you as an outsider come in and what you experience is that this place is being protected from you, that's, you know, what does that say? As opposed to if you come in and the gates are unlocked, the, the church is open, open but vulnerable. Now, Pope Francis dwells on this quite explicitly in at some length. He says the church has to be vulnerable if we're going to be what we are. And that means we have to be willing to take a risk. So in Shaftesbury, we started the practice of having the church unlocked all day. Um, and it meant we had to change some security things, so things that would be easy to steal, we did lock away in the sacristy, but that the church was open for the general inquirer. It was open, almost more important, for the parishioners to come and pray. Um, so that's one of the things I'm going to be wanting to transform here too. But the new evangelization question is asking, how does that look to the outsider, to the stranger? So an available church. So Pope Francis says in Evangelii Gaudium, he says, I prefer a church which is bruised, hurting and dirty because it has been out on the streets, rather than a church which is unhealthy from being confined and from clinging to its own security. Pope Benedict made a, a similar allusion many years ago when he spoke about churches as museums that if a church is locked up and safe, it's just a dead museum. 
if it's open, it's, it's at risk, it is vulnerable, and we can have vandalism as in that image there. But if we're going to be faithful to what we are, what our calling is, our mission is, then we have to be willing to be vulnerable. And that means willing to sometimes have to repay for the damages, pay to repair things. So a slightly longer quote, again, on the same theme. The church is called to be the house of the Father, with doors always wide open. One concrete sign of such openness is that our church doors should always be open, so that if someone moved by the Spirit comes there looking for God, he or she will not find a closed door. And I've got that same quote again, that he prefers a church that is bruised from having been out on the streets rather than a church that is safe and secure but failing to be what it's supposed to be. So that's an introductory example, um, an example that kind of indicates that there are challenges here if we're going to change. Um, I want to look at the question of what is the new evangelization. So evangelization is proclaiming the gospel, the good news to people. But what's new about the new evangelization? And the, I want to make two points here initially. One is that the new evangelization isn't the old one, whatever that was. Um, but I also want to make the point historically that this isn't the first new evangelization. So that actually the situation the church is in today, particularly in Western Europe, we might think is a brand new struggle to have to take the gospel again to these nations. Actually, that's been the case again and again in European history. So in Britain alone, um, there have been many different waves of evangelization. So if we think back to the ancient Britons before the Romans got here, um, when Romans came, they were Christians, um, and they made Britain Christian. But then the Roman Empire fell, and paganism and waves of barbarians came in, and so they needed to be converted again, because they were different people. So the Anglo-Saxons, um, the pagan Angles and Saxons, conquered and settled in Britain. So in the 6th century, uh, Pope Gregory sent um, St. Augustine to convert um, the then pagans again. So that you had yet another wave of evangelization being needed. Um, and then it happened again. The Vikings came over and conquered the Saxons. And the Vikings were pagans. But the Vikings were converted also. Um, but not converted easily. They slaughtered many of the missionaries that went to them. Um, King Guthrum being the first famous example. Um, so Alfred the Great defeated the Viking king um, and then baptized him. Uh, and he became uh, a very significant early Christian king. So if we look back, there have been a number of waves of new and new and new evangelization, even in our country. So it's not a new situation to, in a sense, have to start afresh, the way we have to do today. So in summary, that initial point, the establishment of Christianity in a place is never finished. You never proclaim the gospel to a culture 
and that's it, and it's done. Because the culture, the peoples, are always moving and shifting. So that we always need to be proclaiming again. So I made the point, the new evangelization is not the first time we've been in an, the situation of having to do it again. But um, that isn't just what Pope Francis and what Pope John Paul II are talking about when they're talking about the new evangelization. So here's a quote um, from the Synod on the New Evangelization, which was uh, the bishops gathering just before Pope Francis became Pope. And they say this, the adjective new refers to a cultural situation which has changed and the need for the church with renewed energy, determination, resourcefulness and newness to look at the way she lives and transmits the faith. So the cultural situation is different, what we live in now. And so the evangelization has to be different. New situation, new evangelization. Here's a quote from Pope Benedict. He says, the new evangelization refers above all, but not exclusively, to the churches founded long ago, where there are many who, although baptized in the Catholic Church, have abandoned the practice of the sacraments or even of the faith. So that the primary target of the new evangelization is those countries, churches, that used to be called Catholic, used to be called Christians. So predominantly Western Europe, where we live. Um, so that the new evangelization isn't about Africa and India and China. Even though evangelization happens there, that's not what this new evangelization is talking about. It's primarily about the places that used to be Christian. So Pope Francis phrases it this way, in countries of ancient Christian tradition. And yet, um, a clarification here, this is from Pope John Paul II. The urgent need for a new evangelization and the awareness that Europe today, um, no, what's that? The urgent need for a new evangelization and the awareness that Europe today must not simply appeal to its former Christian heritage, it needs to be able to decide about its future in conformity with the person and message of Jesus Christ. What he's saying in the, in the fuller text there is, yes, the new evangelization is about appealing to the countries that used to be Christian, but it's not just telling them you've got to go back to what you used to be. It's not just about your heritage. It's primarily about the person of Jesus Christ, who, yes, was in the heritage, but it's not just that you're wanting them to be the old thing. It's not just about heritage. It's about the person of Jesus Christ. So we took that as an image of a, a modern crowd. Um, what do we do with the world we live in, a world that has forgotten Christ? Well, one of the things that was done was that the Second Vatican Council was called. So there we have a picture of Pope John XXIII, and that's why he called the Second Vatican Council, was to address 
not a problem in the church, but a problem in society. And that had with it problems in the church that needed reforming, making new. But it was to address, as he said in his initial speeches about the council, it was to address this crisis in the modern world, the world that's forgotten God. But the person who is usually credited with founding the new evangelization is um, Pope Paul VI. Um, that's who Blessed John Paul II credits it to, um, with his decree uh, on missionary activity in the church. And he says this, we wish to confirm once more that the task of evangelizing all people constitutes the essential mission of the church. It is a task and a mission which the vast and profound changes of present-day society make all the more urgent. Evangelizing is, in fact, the grace and vocation proper to the church, her deepest identity. She exists in order to evangelize. So the point is this, that it's not just what the church does in the mission countries, that everything the church is doing, if she is being the church, is evangelizing, is making Christ present. So when we're teaching in our schools, it is evangelizing. When we're catechizing in First Holy Communion or in Confirmation, it's evangelizing. That it's the proclamation of the gospel, the proclamation of the person of Jesus Christ in every single activity that the church does. The keeping the church grounds clean in order that we might be, in a sense, a beautiful place for God to be and for people to meet God. Again, this also is all about evangelizing, that every activity of the church, that's what's behind it as its fundamental purpose, its fundamental mission, why we're here. Pope Francis uses this phrase, missionary outreach is paradigmatic for all the church's activity. Paradigmatic means it's the model. So that every activity we have in the church, what is the model that should govern it, inspire it? Evangelizing, proclaiming Christ, making Christ present. And the more we're doing that clearly, that changes the way we catechize, changes the way we would teach in our schools, should change every bit of our church activity. That we're thinking about that missionary identity, missionary purpose that the church is here for. All right, so Pope Francis has said, missionary outreach is paradigmatic for all the church's activity. Well, he goes on um, to identify three different principal settings where that happens. That the mission, the evangelizing, kind of three different target audiences. That if we're thinking about this, aiming at this, we need to treat these three groups differently because they're not the same. They have different needs. The way Christ needs to be presented to them needs to be different. First category is what he calls ordinary pastoral ministry. 
And here the task is to inflame the hearts of those who regularly worship and to touch those who have faith and yet seldom worship. So that this isn't, these are people who would already call themselves Catholic, already call themselves Christian, already most of the time come to church or something. But they too need to have more. They need to be inflamed more. We need to be inflamed more. That evangelizing's never, you don't ever just say to someone, well, you've got it, that's all you need. That one of these three categories is, in a sense, the people we might think are already evangelized. But no, evangelization isn't just something that stops once you've kind of started. So that's the first category. Second category, he says, the baptized whose lives do not reflect the demands of the gospel, who lack a meaningful relationship to the church, or who no longer experience the consolation born of faith. And for these, the church must help them experience a conversion which will, will restore the joy of faith to their hearts and inspire a commitment to the gospel. So basically what we're talking about here is what you'd call the lapsed. Those that once were part of the church, actively speaking, but aren't. They are baptised, they hopefully know what religion's about, but they've somehow put it aside. That's a different category, a different target audience to the people who are in the pews already but actually need to be transformed more. And then the third target audience are those who do not know Jesus Christ or who have always rejected him. He says, Christians must appear as people who wish to share their joy, who point to a beauty and who invite others to a delicious banquet to grow by attraction. So those that are already in the pews, those that were once in the pews that have lapsed, and those who have never ever been in church, never ever believed, never ever known anything. But these are three different types of people. And we all need the gospel. We all need to be evangelized, but in different ways. And the new evangelization is about meeting those different needs of those different categories in their different ways. So those of you who would be familiar, I mean, we were all, everyone here was alive during John Paul II's era. Certainly in my life, he was almost the only pope. Um, but the defining theme of his papacy was the new evangelization. All of his documents, this was there either in the forefront or in the background. Everywhere he went, his world, the, the World Youth Days, everywhere he was going, the new evangelization was the heart of his kind of personal mission. And he says this, the commemoration of this half of the millennium of evangelization, so he's thinking of the year 2000 and commemorating it, will achieve its full meaning if as bishops with your priests and faithful, you accept it as your commitment, a commitment not of re-evangelization, but rather a new evangelization new in its ardour, methods, and expression. So this was, um, he said that in 1983, looking ahead to the year 2000. So a long time 
away from the year 2000. But he wasn't just wanting the bishops and the priests and the laity to be re-evangelizing as if they were somehow doing the same thing again, but a new evangelizing. Well, what did he mean by that? What is to be new about it? He said, and I'm just pulling out the words he was in that quotation, new in its ardor, new in its methods, and new in its expression. And I want for a minute to focus on each of those three things. So first, new in its expression. So it's not a different gospel, it's not a different Jesus Christ, but somehow being expressed differently. Um, I've noted two things here. Um, one of the things is the terminology used. I've said here, modern personalism is part of the phraseology of the church documents on the new evangelization. So they will talk about encounter and relationship. Um, Pope Francis talks a lot about the joy of the gospel and about meaning being found in Christ. Now, these are all very modern terminology, phrases, concepts, things that the modern world values. Truth, as I said there, though, becomes therefore secondary, not primary, as the point of dialogue. In our world today, generally speaking, people don't care about the truth because they don't generally speaking, think there is such a thing as truth. They do care about meaning, joy, happiness. If those are the points we are dialoguing with them about, about relationship and encounter, and that the greatest encounter, the greatest relationship, is that with the Lord, then we're talking a terminology, an expression, that is meeting the modern world where it is, not with a different gospel, but with a new expression of it. Evangelii Gaudium. Uh, put Gaudium in a different um, colour there. It's the word joy. So part of what Pope Francis is targeting on is the place of joy in this proclamation of the new evangelization. Um, so to see salvation and the question of joy in it um, with a primary focus, which I'm sure any of us that were raised in an older era, joy wasn't absent there, but it wouldn't have been, I think for most of us, as primary a question as Pope Francis is seeking to make it in his presentation today. So three quotations here. He says, the joy of the gospel fills the hearts and lives of those who encounter Christ, the quiet joy of his love. He says, I invite all Christians everywhere at this very moment to a renewed personal encounter with Jesus Christ. And I think this is a beautiful image he uses. He says, the apostles never forgot the moment when Jesus touched their hearts. It was about four o'clock in the afternoon. So John writing his gospel half a century after the event had happened, that meeting, that encounter with Christ was so transforming that he was able to remember it was four o'clock in the afternoon. 
And that encounter is what we need in our lives. It's what we are seeking to make possible for other people. So, new in its expression, new in its methods. Now, this might, in a sense, be even more obvious, but the, the world we live in, the way people communicate in our world today, is just radically different, and we have to therefore communicate in methods that are new, in methods that meet the modern world where it is. So, here I've got a picture of somebody on a soapbox, um, well, if we're still using the equivalent of a soapbox as our means of communication, then we're not using new methods. So, two pivotal things. One would be the use of the internet, but almost the opposite, person-to-person -person interaction. So we have this almost weird contradiction in our modern culture where we are very depersonalised in our use of social media and the internet, and yet also people hugely value the personal contact they do have. So to make that personal contact where we are seeking to bring Christ to people. Um, but it's not just about um, the putting a, a new blog post up or talking to your friend. It needs to change the society and the culture. So he says to evangelise cultures and not just individuals. So Poverty and riches, remedying the family breakdown, preventing more and more family breakdown. This is part of the evangelization, the gospel, the good news, making that embedded um, in our world. So recognizing what's wrong in our present culture and bringing the gospel to it is part of evangelizing, not just leaving the culture unchanged, but talking about Jesus, that that actually wouldn't really be bringing Jesus. Jesus has a way of life, not just an individual that doesn't touch a way of life. The last of these three points, new in its ardor. Now, this is a bit more of a challenge, but here, um, obviously what... Pope John Paul II is talking about is that the scale of the challenge before us in the new evangelization today is such that there has to be a new ardor, fervor, burning zeal within us that isn't there already, that we somehow have to be transformed ourselves with a new ardor if we're going to be up to this task. So I've asked three questions here. Uh, no, two questions. Um, how fully have I encountered Christ? And how deeply do I have a personal relationship with him? So the church documents are talking again and again about encountering Christ and about having a personal relationship with him. Well, how much is that true of myself? Not just at certain moments in my life, but on a daily basis. Because if I'm seeking to bring that to others, well, it has to be very strong in me. And Pope Francis makes, in a sense, the encouraging observation, life grows by being given away. That there's some things in life that when you give them away, you get less. If I share a chocolate cookie with somebody, I have less of it myself. Um, 
if I share joy with somebody, if I share love with somebody, actually it grows by being given away. And my relationship with the Lord similarly grows by being given away, that I come to deeper insights myself as I'm talking about him and communicating him to others. I'm coming to a conclusion now. Uh, I don't know how clearly you can see those pictures at the back there, but I've got three different pictures that sum up three different ways that we can relate to the outside world as the church. First here, I don't know how many of you are Lord of the Rings fans, um, but there's an, a hideous orc here uh, coming fighting with his uh, sword or whatever to get you. One image of our relationship with the world is to see the battle. Um, that what is my life about? I'm about slaying orcs. Um, well, that is a model. We do talk about that, even in scripture. Um, but that's not the primary model that's being presented to us now. Another model for the church in how we relate to the world is a fortress. And that's the image of the castle there and the walls. That the church is nice and secure and safe inside the walls. Um, and yes, we do have things we need to defend, but again, that's not the primary model that's being put to us now. The primary model on the far right-hand side there is an image of Jesus pointing. This is the, the Great Commission to the 12 apostles at the end of Matthew's Gospel. And he's pointing out. He's saying, go. Go, make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them everything I've commanded you. <coughs> so how we relate to the world, not just as enemies to be slain, not just as people we need to protect ourselves from behind a wall, but people we are sent to. So to sum that up, what is the new evangelization? Well, it's addressing a new situation, a post-Christian Britain. The new evangelization is new in its ardor, new in its methods, new in its expressions, new in its attitudes. And there needs to therefore be a new transformation in us to achieve that, making that evangelization the paradigm, the model for all of the church's activity and all that we're doing to be thinking how does this relate to our mission to be communicating Christ, bringing him to others? And to return to that slide, changing everything, therefore. Changing some things more than others, but changing everything. And to return to that example. The church that is safe behind the bars or the church that is open but vulnerable. And this is then my last slide. So I've got a few examples here, transforming everything to think. Just some simple examples here. Each one of these needs to be done differently if we're thinking of it in the context of evangelization. How we read at Mass. Do we read in such a way that we're thinking about the unbeliever, the outsider, who's somewhere there in the congregation? 
welcome us at the door? Do we welcome for the regulars? Or are we actually ready in our thoughts and our attitudes and what we hand someone even, ready for the outsider who comes through the door? Cleaners, flower rangers and such, uh, thinking back to that image of the mess that is made by the outsider who comes into the church, well, the cleaner, the flower ranger who gets their display ruined, to see that as part of our mission. Social events, that would include, therefore, uh, making them serve the goal of the evangelization. The SVP, uh, does that exist just for our regulars? Or um, here's elsewhere, the, the SVP does meet people that are and serve people that aren't our regulars. But that actually, that is part of this goal. And our general congregation, that this has to affect everybody in terms of how we exist, how we live. Um, transforming everything in the life of the church. All right, thank you all. Thank you, Paul.